are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A really good information-filled show for you. I don't know if I'm going to know if I'm going to get to all of this today, to be honest with you. But I'll get to as much as I can. I definitely want to talk about college football playoff scenarios. We're going to talk about Jimbo Fisher and what he didn't accomplish at Texas A&M. I definitely want to talk more about the Dallas Cowboys. And we're going to talk about a story I have with my eliminator pool that the irony is just, it's crazy. And I didn't realize it until after Sunday's games. We'll get to all that momentarily. So let's first start with this college football playoff Four teams tonight. They are announcing the new rankings every Tuesday. They do it. There's not going to be much change because none of the top five teams who were undefeated lost. And I don't think the uh, and this is the latest in the season we've ever had five undefeated teams. Obviously, things can change. Upsets can happen. We never know when they're going to happen. But Joel Klatt from Fox Sports, who is their lead analyst, does the Big Noon Saturday game every week. He brought up a very interesting tweet, and he said, hypothetically speaking, let's look at this college football playoff scenario. A 13-0 Big Ten champ, so either Michigan or Ohio State, whoever wins that game. A 13-0 Florida State team, which can clearly happen if they run the table. Now, you got two spots for the following five teams. A 12-1 Oregon Pac-12 champ. A 12-1 Texas Big 12 champ. A 12-1 Bama SEC champ. A 12-1 Georgia non-champion lost in their title game but two-time defending national champions, 12-1 Washington, non-champ. I think we can eliminate Washington right away. If they don't win the Pac-12 and they don't go, um, if they go 12-1 and and don't win the Pac-12, they're not getting in. So this is two spots for four teams. A 12-1 Oregon, 12-1 Texas, 12-1 Bama, all champs of their conference. Or can a 12-1 Georgia, who runs the table in the regular season but gets beat by Bama in the SEC championship, could they make it in? Unfortunately, I'd say no. Not if the other three do what this scenario says, this hypothetical scenario. It just you can't take a non-champion when you have five champions and two of them are undefeated and three of them have one loss, the same that Georgia would. You just can't. You can't go off past what they've done in the past. I know they'd be the defending, the two-time defending national champions, but they pretty much have to go 13 and 0 to get in the playoff this year. This is just a hypothetical. This is what I'm saying. Like it doesn't. I'm not saying Georgia's going to lose to Bama in the SEC championship. I'm just saying what he laid out here. So who would you take? So now that leaves three teams: twelve and one Oregon, Texas, and Bama, all champs of their conference. Who would you take? I think Oregon is definitely in. A twelve and one Pac-12 champ who would basically be having a rematch against Washington, a team they lost to by three points. I think they are absolutely in because they have some top 25 wins there. So this would come down to a 12 and 1 Big 12 champion in Texas or a 12 and 1 SEC champion in Bama. I think they're taking Bama even though Texas won at Alabama earlier this season. And here's why. That was game 2. Since then, Bama has been on the rise. And Texas, while they're winning, they're getting by by the skin of their teeth. 
31-24 at Houston, a team that's well under 500. 33-30 at home to Kansas State, who's a good team. 39-36 this past weekend to TCU, or sorry, 29-26. This past weekend to TCU, another under 500 team. I just don't think Texas is going to have the resume. Now, their biggest thing on the resume is they're going to say, hey, head-to-head, we beat the team that you're basically debating for us to get into the playoff for. We beat them on their home field. Problem is, in this scenario, a 12-1 Bama team means they went and beat the two-time defending national champion in Atlanta, basically in their home in their home stadium, essentially, and ended their win streak. Because if that happens, Bama has now the best win of the year. Because right now, Texas's win over Alabama is the best win anybody has in college football this year. Now, it might go be pushed second to the Michigan-Ohio State winner, and it might be pushed third if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship. So I think they take Bama, even though Texas beat Bama, and they'd have the same record, and they'd both be conference champions. You have to pick one of them. You could say, well, why don't they take Texas and Bama and exclude Oregon? I don't think they're going to do that. The Pac-12 is up this year. It's the best conference in football. How many good ranked teams are in that conference? A 12-1 Oregon team with only one three-point loss to Washington, who would only have one loss as well? They're in. This is going to be between Texas and Bama if this hypothetical plays out. And I think that would be it, it would definitely lead for a lot of discussion. But I'm throwing it out there now. Since it is very possible we're getting an undefeated Big Ten champ, an undefeated FSU, and this scenario happens with the others. I really think it's possible. You know, it, this is I know Texas is gonna say we won head to head, but I just I don't think it's gonna be enough. It was week two. And since then, Alabama has gotten much better, and Texas seems to have plateaued and escaped by the skin of their teeth in three games that they really had no business escaping the way they did. But it will be fun to look at as we get towards the end of the season, for sure. Jimbo Fisher fired at Texas A&M, in case you didn't know. And we talked about the payout. So let me get the numbers correct. He's owed $19.7 million within the next 60 days by Texas A&M. And then he's owed $7.2 million every year until the end of 2031. (laughs) And if A&M has to pay a new coach, they still owe Jimbo all that money. And if Jimbo gets a new job, he's still getting all that money from Texas A&M. Just a bad, just a bad job by whoever put that out there to begin with made that contract the way it was because you shouldn't be giving coaches that much. Do you know what Jimbo Fisher did as head coach of Texas A&M? He was hired in 2017. This is what he's accomplished. And I say accomplished, and I put that in quotes and use it very, very loosely. Zero national championships. Zero conference titles. Zero division titles. Zero 10-win seasons. Zero wins versus ranked opponents on the road. Zero ranked finishes in the last four full seasons. So that excludes COVID. He had a worse record than the coach before him, Kevin Sumlin, who was two games better. 
yet he got $117 million guaranteed money. That says it all right there, folks. You can't beat that just awfulness. He did nothing for them. And they extended him in 2021. Like, they thought those first four years were good enough where they extended his contract to go from 2021 to 2031. And he hadn't even won them a division title, let alone a conference title. Can't even get to the SEC championship game. And they're extending him out 10 years? This is all on A&M, you know? You can't blame this on anybody else. All right, now let's talk a little pro football. A couple things of note. Double-digit favorites in the NFL. Well, we got one coming up this week as the Washington Commanders are 11-point favorites against the Giants, who have seemingly given up on the season. Do you know that since 2009, Washington has been a double-digit favorite once, and they failed to cover by eight points? They are 1-7 against the spread as a double-digit favorite since 1996. Now, you'd have to go back and go over every game look at the scenario and be like, why were they favored by double digits? We know why they're favored by double digits this week. Because the Giants are basically tanking. They're starting a guy, Tommy DeVito, who lives at home with his parents, still, who's not an NFL starting quarterback. He's not even a backup. But Daniel Jones is hurt. Tyrod Taylor is hurt. They're just putting the third stringer out there because they don't care if they win. They want a high draft pick. Daniel Jones is going to be done in New York because if things keep going the way they do and the Giants finish 2-15, and 15, they're getting one of the top two picks. So they're going to get either Drake May or Caleb Williams. They don't care about winning. Washington has already lost to the Giants. The Giants have two wins this year. One of them is against Washington 14-7 a couple weeks ago. You don't think they want revenge? They're also coming off a loss. Granted, the Giants are coming off a loss as well, an embarrassing one, but every loss by the Giants is embarrassing now because they're not trying. It's very hard to gauge the effort of this team right now because they're not any good and they're not trying to win. So keep that in mind for the Commanders. Now, huge favorites in the NFL. We saw Dallas cover as a 17 or 17.5 point favorite this past weekend against the Giants. Wasn't even close. They won by 32. You know, favorites of 16 or more in the NFL since 2013 are hitting 66%, 21 and 11. So it's not a death sentence to back a big-time favorite in the NFL. 66%, pretty good sample size over the last 10 years. 32 games, and the favorite has covered in 21 of them. I want to talk to you a little bit about a gambling story from this past weekend that also goes back to last year. I'm sure a lot of you participate in eliminator pools or suicide pools, drop dead pools, whatever you want to call them, where you pick one team a week and you advance to the next week. And you can never use the same team twice. Well, I'm sure if you listen to enough sports radio and you're in a fairly major market, you've probably heard that there's a very big one that happens every year in Vegas. That's somewhat pricey to enter, but it's winner take all. And whoever's left after 18 weeks, even though you have to pick 20 games, because on Thanksgiving Day you have to choose one of those teams in those three games, 
And on Christmas Day, you have to choose one of those teams and then still play that week as well. So there's 20 picks that you make over the course of the year in 18 weeks. And last year in this pool, I got to week 10. There were less than 125 people left. I was out of my mind. The studying I was doing. But all the studying in the world can't predict an upset. You know, you can think, oh, this one, an upset or whatever. Look, last year in week 10, I took the Chicago Bears at home against the Detroit Lions. You know, it's just win the game. There's no point spreads, nothing. Just pick a winner. Advance to the next week. That's all it is. Now, you might not think, well, the Bears, Steve, they weren't very good last year. No, they weren't. But I'm just saying, based on that week's games, who I'd already picked and I couldn't use again, that one was one of the few that I could even pick. And Detroit wasn't the Detroit last year that they were this year, at least until the end of the season. Because remember, they ended the season hot. This was week 10 last year where I picked the Bears over the Lions. The Bears were up 24 to 10, two touchdown lead with 11 minutes left in the game, 11 and a half minutes left in the game last year. Detroit tied it up. They got a touchdown. Chicago on their next possession turned it over, and it was either a pick six or a fumble return for a touchdown. It was tied at 24. Then the Bears got a long touchdown and missed the extra point. Lions got the ball back, scored, and won 31-30. Out for me. That's how I lost last year, and it was eliminated in the biggest survivor pool in America. Let's bring you back to this past Sunday. I had the Baltimore Ravens. Two touchdown lead. 11 minutes left in the game. At home. Browns score a touchdown. Very first play when the Ravens get it back. Lamar Jackson throws a pass, tipped into the air, run back for a pick six. I mean, it's identical to what happened to me last year. Both games, home team, two touchdown lead, 11 minutes left, and it was in week 10. You can't make this stuff up, people. And once Cleveland ran that one back, they missed the extra point. So Baltimore was still leading 31-30 with eight minutes left in the game. The problem was they couldn't run it out the clock. They couldn't score again. Cleveland gets the ball back without three, four minutes left, marches down the field, kicks a field goal as time expires, out of the pool again the biggest survivor pool in America. And like I said, the irony is just both the last two years I've been eliminated from the pool has both been on week 10 has both been by a home team who had a two touchdown lead with 11 minutes left. (laughs) Sometimes gambling is a very, very bad kick to the nuts. (laughs) Yeah, that was no fun. Way to go, Ravens. (laughs) Oh, by the way, do you know who has the most blown fourth quarter losses since the start of the 2022 season? You guessed it, the Baltimore Ravens. Look, the Ravens not only blew a 31-17 lead with 11 minutes left, they also led 17-3 in the first quarter or first half and 24-9 in the third quarter. They blew three different 14-point leads or more. That's why I say, Major, major kick to the nutsack.
Finally, I want to talk about this. The Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I mean, they did it again this past weekend. It was why they were one of my plays. Probably should have made it my best bet in the NFL because I told you last week, I said, look, this is a name your score game for the Cowboys. The Giants aren't trying. The Cowboys already beat the Giants 40 to nothing in the first game of the season in New York when they had Daniel Jones. Now they're playing them at home where they were 3-0 and this year, winning games by 35, 23, and 20. So they were coming home where they also had an 11-game winning streak at home. They haven't lost at home since last year. Longest winning home winning streak in the NFL. I said they were going to name their score against the Giants, and they did. 49-17. Was never in doubt. And that was after the first series of the game where the Cowboys had third and goal on the half-yard line and got stopped two plays in a row. Never scored. So they probably could have had more points. But point being, Cowboys, 49-17 winners. They are now 4-0 at home this year, outscoring their opponents 160-50. to They're averaging 40 points a game at home this year. Look into a little bit deeper. I just can't get excited about this. I was excited for the fact that I won my bet. But in the grand scheme of things, you know the Cowboys have beaten in their four home games and outscored them 160 to 50? The Jets, the Patriots, the Rams, and the Giants. The combined record of those four teams, 11 and 27. Here's the problem that the Cowboys are running into. Yes, It's very well known that they're only beating up on bad teams. We get it. They've lost to the Eagles. Yes, they lost to the Arizona Cardinals on the road. The Cardinals, one of two wins they had this year. And then they lost on the road to the San Francisco 49ers. So the two best teams in the NFC, the two other best teams in the NFC outside of Detroit, the Cowboys have lost to. Cowboys play Detroit later on this year. So maybe they can actually get a win against a good team. But here's the problem that they're running into. Right now, if the playoffs started today, the Dallas Cowboys would be the sixth seed. Yes, they're 6-3. and three. There's still plenty of time. There's still eight games to go. Seeding can change. A lot of things can change. But they're currently sitting at the sixth seed. They would play the San Francisco 49ers for the third year in a row in the playoffs. Do you think anybody in Dallas would have any confidence? going on the road to play San Francisco again in the playoffs? I don't think I would. The problem with the Cowboys is if they don't win their division, which they currently trail by two and a half games with eight to play, if they don't win their division, the best they can do is a five seed, just like they were last year. Now, granted, they had to go on the road and play the four seed, which was Tampa last year, and they steamrolled them because Tampa was eight and nine. The four seed this year is going to be the winner of the NFC South, which is either going to be the Saints, the Falcons, or the Bucks again. But I don't think the Cowboys are worried about that. The Cowboys either have to get the top seed, you know, to, to, they have to win their division so they can get a one, two, or three seed and get a playoff home game. But if they don't catch the Eagles, which is going to be very tough two and a half games out with eight to play. If they don't beat the Eagles, the best they can do is the five seed because the top four seeds go to the four division winners. 
So if you can't beat out the Eagles and get a top three seed, then yeah, they probably wouldn't care if they got a five seed and go on the road because they can beat the Bucks, the Falcons, or the Saints. They know that. They'll be favored, just like they were favored last year against Tampa Bay. They were favored by like seven on the road, and they killed them. So get that five seed, maybe, but their worst nightmare is looking them right in the eye. If they don't catch Philly and get that one, two, or three seed, they possibly could be sitting there at that six seed. And if Sam, if, if Philly and Detroit do well the rest of the season and run away with the top two records in the NFC, that's going to leave San Francisco sitting there at the three seed, and Dallas would play them as the six. That's the one thing they want to avoid. Now, they're going to have their chances because they still get to play Detroit this year. They still have to play Seattle this year. I think they have them both at home. I know Seattle's at home. I can't remember if Detroit is or not. They still get another game with Philly. They have to go on the road to Miami. They have a tough December. They got a next few. Their next few games are at Carolina this week, home against Washington on Thanksgiving Day, and then home against Seattle the following week. So they could ease. And right now they're sitting at six and three. They could easily be nine and three after these three games. In fact, they probably should be, considering they're not going to lose to Carolina on the road. And they've won 12 in a row at home. So you think you could beat the Commanders and the Seahawks on your home field the two weeks after beating Carolina this weekend. So that puts them at 9-3. and three. And they would gain on Seattle, so that moves Seattle further back. But the Cowboys just, uh, they're dreading, dreading that sixth seed. And right now, Seattle is ahead of them. Seattle 6-3, and three, but technically are the five seed right now. So that... Seattle game, which is in two and a half weeks, is going to be huge. Assuming Seattle keeps winning going up to that game as well, because Dallas cannot afford to lose to Seattle because they will then basically fall two games behind them because they will be they won't have the tiebreaker against them. Then they're definitely sitting at the sixth seed and basically impossible to make it up. Then you kind of have to hope, I don't know. San Francisco doesn't fall to the three, it doesn't stay at the three seed. You got to figure Philly or Detroit, but I, Philly or Detroit, Detroit's winning the NFC North, and Philly or Dallas is winning the NFC East. That winner in the NFC East is going to get the one or the two seed, unless they finish with a worse record than the Niners, which I guess is possible as well. They could finish the three seed if that's the case. But man, this is going to be a wild ride down the stretch. Just pay attention to the Cowboys. They can win all their games at home by 40 points. I don't care. Nobody in this town cares. All it comes down to is what is this team going to do in the playoffs? They have failed miserably for the last 28 years in the playoffs. So while these routes at home look great and it looks like this offense is unstoppable, it's the same team that lost on the road to the Arizona Cardinals, got blown out by Philly or got blown out by San Francisco and lost to Philly. They've played two good teams this year, and they are 0-2. So, again, they're almost like the Miami Dolphins of the NFC. Miami looks great when they're rolling up 70 on Denver, but they look like horse shit when they play the Bills, when they play the Chiefs, when they play uh, – who else did they play that rolled them by two touchdowns? Bills beat them by four touchdowns. Already forgetting who beat them by uh, – Philly beat them by two touchdowns. So – yeah, uh, the Cowboys are in the same boat. You got I know it's a it's a it's a Janet Jackson league. What have you done for me lately? 
that's what this that's what this league is. And unfortunately, these regular season wins by 30 and 40 points are just like whatever. Nobody cares. At least I don't. I don't put much stock into them at all. And if you're being a realistic, objective Cowboy fan, you can't either. The Giants don't care. They want to lose. You realize the Cowboys outgained the Giants by 468 yards on Sunday? That was the biggest yardage differential in a game in 44 years. Yeah, that's great. And if the Cowboys go out in the first round this year, do you think anybody's going to be talking about that Week 9 matchup where they outgained the Giants by 468 yards? Wouldn't that great? No. Nobody's going to care. I don't think many people care as it's happening. I just can't put any stock. I mean, I mean, when I say not care, I'm sure Cowboy fans are happy and they think their team looks good. But putting stock into it and what does it mean, I'm just saying these wins by 30 and 40 points at home against horseshit teams, they don't – I just can't put much stock into them. Show me what you got against the good teams. What have you done for me lately? Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review if you can. Check out the Daily Roundup if you're interested in that. Also, tell your friends about this podcast. Hopefully, we'll have some winners for you coming this Friday. So, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.